1: Hey folks, welcome into Aunt Waveland presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. And, uh, you know, I don't know why that popped into my head. I, I often, every time I do, do that I intro for one of these pods here at Ontwaveland, Waveland, against the card Cubs card. podcast here at The Athletic, and I think about Topps, I often think about the, the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle and how much I want it. And it just popped into my head today <laughs> as I was reading it. So I've been like, there's no other context other than just me lusting after that card i just you know even if it were like a crappy version of it that's like not actually worth much just so i could have it and be like yeah i got a 52 tops that's, mickey mantle
2: that's one of those holy grails right yeah. uh, we, so my dad i'll quickly talk about this so we don't derail the whole podcast but <laughs> my dad and i collected for a long time like i shouldn't say a long time a few years in the early 90s so right when the card boom the first card boom was happening yeah. Uh, we'd go to card shows every summer, like multiple card shows. Like it was like the thing I looked forward oh, I loved to the most, shows. going to card shows, but <laughs> we, we had some pretty sweet, we had some pretty sweet cards like Nolan Ryan, rookie card, Hank Aaron, rookie card, like multiple Michael Jordan, rookie cards. Uh, so, so we had, a, we had a nice collection going back in the nineties. It's no longer around, but it was, it was a nice collection. Um, all right.
1: So we can, uh, talk some Cubs now. Uh, speaking of St. Louis, that is where the Cubs are right now playing in a series that I think if we had looked ahead, eh, let's not even say April, let's say spring training, you know, when it was, I think we were all pretty much in the same like 50-50 bucket of like whether the Cubs would compete, not whether they would win the division, but whether they would compete or not or be a sell off. And I think that we would have thought this series could be pivotal in the decision of like okay are the cubs still in it are they selling all that i don't know that we would have said a, a, a late a mid to late july cubs cardinal series would be like the decisive one for the division um but definitely impacting the decisions these teams were going to make and um that obviously is not the case cuz the cubs decision has been made um that they are they're going to be selling in the, the 10 days ahead in the run-up to the trade deadline. The Cardinals, by contrast, it's interesting. They they started this series tied in the standings with the Cubs, and you definitely do not get the sense that they have made their decision yet. Now, uh, Sahadev wrote a great piece at The Athletic. Oh, you know, I, I think I forgot to say, you know. I'm Brett Taylor joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, the athletic got it obligatory. Do that. We got so into the baseball cards thing that we got, see, we did get sidetracked, but that's how great the tops project 70 is. See, you just start talking baseball cards and then you're just lost in it. Um, that's a freebie by the way, tops, you don't got to pay for that one. Um, so it was, we, they start the series Cubs lost completely non-competitive game last night on Monday. Um, and yet it's not as if that one game was the deciding factor between, oh, Cubs are definite sellers, Cardinals are definitely not, um, because they came into the series tied. And I think you did a great job in your article, Sadev, noting, among many other things, just about what this series is not, um, that the Cardinals can at least point to, hey, we're playing better now, and we've got some really important key players coming back. And and I don't know, would we, would our perspective be different on the Cubs at eight, nine games out in the Central if it was like, well, but then this great starting pitcher is going to be coming back in a few weeks. I don't know, because what I think about is we were already operating from a presumption that if things weren't great for the Cubs this year, they were going to sell like that. That was the default position. And I don't think that was true for the Cardinals, even as they have like, an older crew, even as Yachty and Wainwright are back for one more year. Uh, and I don't, I I don't know. I don't know what that difference is. Is it just that the Cardinals don't have marketable pieces? And so it's like, eh, just keep it together
2: and, and do what we can. They, they went in before the season, right? They, this, it was I mean, this Aranato, winter that they yeah. traded for Arenado. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty significant indication that you're looking to win this particular season while the Cubs, Sold their big, it was you know, they they moved their best, uh, you know, player on a big contract if you're really looking at it. I mean, who who was performing the best on that team in 2020? It was you, Darvish, right? And and they traded him. So, uh, I mean, I think both teams kind of indicated what direction they hope to go. So, the Cubs, I mean, the Cardinals are going to try and stick around. And and uh, someone in the press box brought this up, one of the Cardinals writers brought up that. Listen, I, I think uh, the the media on both sides of town have kind of accepted like what's happening with both these teams, but the Cardinals they have they can sell themselves what are you know, Miles Michaelis and and Jack Flaherty are coming back and, and they have thirteen games left with the Brewers and all those games will be played likely unless they're setbacks with Michaelis and Flaherty back. So you and I think Oviedo is is back today for the Cardinals to pitch and I I didn't look at his numbers, but I think he's been strong, right? Or am I completely wrong on that? It, has he not been? I believe good? he's improved.
1: Has uh, it? Okay. Gone
2: along. Okay, and and so I mean they have. I mean that's where the Cubs are completely lacking. If the Cubs had two to three quality to uh, you know Cy Young caliber starters coming back, I think we. It would still be hard, right? That that would make this a little more difficult. Uh, at least the outside narrative. I think uh, Jed would see nine and a half games and say, "Man, I, I can't rely on guys coming back and hope for a hot run in the second half, right?" With all these, if you're all things considered. So I I think it is. I think it's just different situations. They have two bit. They're they're two. They have two older guys that are trying to go for one more run in Wainwright and Molina. You know, those guys aren't trade pieces. Those guys are closer to retirement, right? And then. And then you're talking about trading for Arenado, extend, they recently extended Goldschmidt a couple of years ago, they have two big veteran bats at the corner infield spot, it's just, yeah, it's very different situations, but it's also, it's also very weird to be covering a game in July with these two teams, and neither of them are really that close to first place, it, it, I mean, it feels like it's going to take something very drastic for either one of them to get in this race, and that I, I was surprised how long it's been since since that's occurred. I, I was I looked it up. 2010 was the last time neither team made the playoffs, which is, you know, not crazy, but that's quite a while. And then but the thing was, the Cardinals were in first place as late as like mid-August in that season. So it wasn't like they were out of it in July. The last time both teams were this far out of it in July, maybe not even this far out of it, but just, you know, looked like they they weren't going to buy at the deadline was 1999, which I just think is crazy to think about and now obviously majority of that is the cardinals but the cubs have set a new standard the last you know what six seven years so so i think this is a very different uh era we're in and and it's kind of weird to see neither of those teams competing uh i i don't expect it to last long that's the one thing i I think if if we're going to bet on uh which teams in the central over the next decade will will you know, kind of be the cream of the crop. I think it's gonna be one of those two. I, I but I'm always low on the brewers as as the podcast listeners know. So uh. always we're always low on the
1: brewers and always wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think Sahadev have had it in his piece. Well the attendance was like thirty eight thousand last night, something yeah, like that. I think it was thirty
2: eight nine or thirty eight something. I mean like that.
3: pretty pretty soft and, and I think that's been the case at Bush Stadium. I think that's gonna be another reason why they can't just raise the white flag on the season beyond the fact that they have, they made the Arenado move. They made the Goldschmidt move. I mean, if Bryant and Rizzo were under a contract for multiple years at terms that were acceptable to the Cubs, I think that might be. And if, you know, if the Cubs had like produced a homegrown pitcher, like since Jeff Samarjo was playing football at Notre Dame, like that would be another reason why, uh, the Cardinals can point to – they can credibly point to, like, we have these pitchers and we're going to have more pitchers coming. And I don't think the Cubs are in that uh, position yet. And no doubt everyone undersells the Brewers. And I think that's probably the Cardinals too. Like, I don't think they deep down think the Brewers are this great runaway team. And <laughs> the Cardinals are probably proven wrong in the end because I think their product is a little stale too. But I don't think they can tell – uh, you know, the great fans of St. Louis that we're giving up right now. Like they need that kind of whether or not it's illusion, they need that idea out there that we're still trying and that we will be playing meaningful baseball in September. Yeah, it's interesting how it, there's obviously the Arenado and Goldschmidt
1: thing that they're there for a while, so that makes sell off seem less plausible. But then it's also like Sahadev said, having Yachty and Wainwright there for one more year. And I mean, it might be perpetually one more year for a while, but it, you don't know when they're just going to hang it up. And so it's like, you can't, it's almost like what the Cubs have with Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez times 20 in terms of like the, ah, we can't do that to our fans. You know, we can't be like, okay, it's the last year we have them and we're giving up. which I guess is an interesting transition to those three that um, permeate so much of the discourse out there, but I don't know how much we've talked about it on the podcast. Um, maybe some with Bryant, much, much less, if anything with Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo that um, we know the Cubs are going to be selling. We know who the most obvious trade candidates are. And, and you could make an argument that Bryant falls into that because it's, it remains very unlikely in my view um, that if he reaches free agency, that he ultimately re-signs with the Cubs for, for, for reasons that work in both directions. I just find that very unlikely. Um, and I, I think by contrast, we have harbored the thought for maybe as much as multiple years now that when it came time, that Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo were approaching free agency, a deal would get done and they would stick around for a while. Rizzo, you know, being the face of the franchise, the heart and soul of the team, been around since, you know, uh, the, the start of the original rebuild. And then Javi Baez being, you know, he's carved out his own relationship with Chicago, his own um, next level fan interest in, in El Mago. You just didn't see those guys necessarily walking away. And yet here we are. Uh, 10 days before the trade deadline and these guys both are approaching free agency. And although the, it it has resurfaced that of course the Cubs would want to uh, probe these guys potentially for extensions before considering, okay, what are we going to do on the trade front? Uh, My question I suppose is what do we actually think is going to happen over the next 10 days? Um, is how plausible is it that actual substantive extension talks will take place with either or both guys? And you could include Chris Bryant if, if the spirit moves you in in your thoughts hmm. um, and how plausible is it that either or both or, or again include Bryant as you, as you like uh, could actually be traded. Um, I have some thoughts, but, Again, I get to we, – we've we've created this dynamic where I get to set up these challenging <laughs> questions and you guys respond first. And then I get to swoop in with like an ancillary point at the end. And it's like, man, Brett always just has like an extra
2: little thoughtful point <laughs> at the end. And it's, Bill, That's because I – Really actually, wrap I, that up nicely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's – you know, Brian just feels obvious to me that he is going to be marketed heavily as far as uh, – being moved at this deadline, will so we'll see if they actually. I agree. Yeah.
1: I agree, but I just want to make sure. I'm going to pin you down because I'm going to then I'm going to write an article based on what you say. So how did Sir Sharma? <laughs> says, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the, do you you think the Cubs are probably? Actively talking about moving Bryant rather than just being like, yeah, we're open to whatever if someone wants. Now, I'm not talking in terms of strategy because, like, it may still be the strategy where you like want to sit back and be like, come to us. But do you think it, the Cubs would like to move Bryant for a good return right now as opposed to like, we're just open?
2: Yeah. To- Yes, I. I mean, I. I think they understand that an extension is, uh, you know, as close to zero percent as you can get. I just don't see a scenario where he. I mean, he's not going to resign now before the deadline. I mean, there's no chance that there's an extension happening here. And then, I just. I've just kind of accepted that that's not the direction they're going in the offseason. Yes, it makes a lot of – it could make a lot of sense as far as you have a lot of money. This is a star when he's locked in. He's an MVP candidate. Uh, But I think there's just – numerous reasons why it could uh why it doesn't make sense as far as where they are and what they're trying to do i think they'd like to get like their next star they'd like to be much younger and, and you know maybe different in certain ways although he's proving to be more dynamic than i think we even really understood with his ability to play the outfield this year so i should uh, this isn't uh that 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 isn't as true as I thought a, a year ago, because his ability to play center field isn't just doesn't seem like just like, oh, just throw him out there in an emergency situation. It seems like he's he's pretty passable out there, surprisingly, and, and he likes to do it. So so more par- more power to him. I just don't I like I think it's either if they can't find the right deal, they'll they'll take the uh They'll take the chance of the whatever compensation is in the offseason, because I don't think we know anymore, right? With the CBA expiring, it so, can change. Well, what's going to happen? This is like a total aside. So the, the deadline to
1: make a qualifying offer to a free agent is going to come quite a bit before um, the CBA expires on December 1st. It's going to be a few weeks before that. Now – you're making a qualifying offer on the basis of compensation that wouldn't come until after the CBA kicks in. So what I suspect will happen is if that rule and process is changed in the CBA, it will either kick in a year later um, or it will change only for like buying teams. You know, team, the, the draft pick compensation cost will go away for buying teams. But what you... But not the... But not the, cause not what you get. That's
2: total ex post that's good facto point.
1: stuff. That you, I just, I can't see them harming teams like that uh but yeah i mean, I guess i've been fooled before
2: i i still see a team like pushing like some team pushing in and giving uh giving enough of an offer for Bryant, I still think I just have this feeling that that's going to happen, but I could be totally off. That's not that's not based on anything other than you know like random chatter with the scouts and whatnot, what people's gut feelings are, and and I, like what would I kind of feel. The other two, I I don't think are going anywhere, not this deadline. And I'd if I had to choose, I'd say I'd be very surprised if Javi isn't back with the Cubs next year. Uh, and I'd and. You know, a little less confidence with Rizzo, but similar. I'd, I'd be a little surprised. I'd expect both of those guys to be back. And, and that's just like it just makes a lot of sense, in my opinion. They're not going to have these crazy, uh, crazy contracts. Uh Bryant likely is going to get a pretty mega, like a mega deal, a true mega deal. And unless he just craters the next three months. Right. And and I I just think the what the Cubs plan is and what they want to do they don't want to bottom out they have no desire to be a losing team for the next four or five years really they don't want to be losing team next year like they want to be right back in it like I ended that piece saying by next July these two teams should be battling for first if if things go right right uh, that's what we want to see I'm sure all of us would prefer to watch a team battling for first place I also think they they just don't want to go that far down and and I know Javi is frustrating I say this all the time I know how frustrating he is. I see it I just think he's so ultra talented, and when he's locked in, you take the good with the bad with him. He's—I know it coming off last night. It's hard for me to say this, but he's a plus-plus defender at short at a premium position, and when he's right at the plate, even now he's not even playing his best, and he's above average offensive player. I know he strikes out a lot. I know that's a problem for Cubs fans as far as this lineup goes. But he brings – if you put together the right lineup, he fits in perfectly with it. It, It's fine. His skill set works if you you build around him properly and put different skill sets around him and have enough contact, have a leadoff guy that gets on base and – He's going to rack up the counting numbers. He's going to hit for a ton of power. When all is said and done, he'll be, you know, 10 to 15 percent above league average with his OPS and, and maybe even better if he's really having a great season. So I think that's worth it, especially when it's a shortstop, you know, depending on the price, depending on what they can come to. I think they know what they want, right? They've, they've been with these guys for so long. They've, they've talked it out for years now. They understand where each side is at. It's just not going to happen in the next two weeks. That just doesn't that's not realistic in my opinion but I don't see them going anywhere I, I I that would be the one that surprises me if one of those two is moved uh, if they depart via free agency I wouldn't be shocked I'd be a little surprised with uh, I'd be pretty surprised though with with uh, bias because anything can happen but still
3: Bryant is in a separate category because the Cubs put him in a separate category and his play has separated him from those other guys we're talking about. I mean, he was the guy that the Cubs were using in discussions with the Rockies regarding Nolan Arenado. And even if the conversations with the Mets were rather brief or preliminary, uh, not to the extent that maybe other outlets had uh, reported, KB was still a target of the Mets in the off season. And he is the one who's playing at an all-star level this year, not these other guys. And I think that uh, Sahadev's right, that Jed knows what it would take to sign Javi and Rizzo like tomorrow. And they haven't done that yet. And, you know, Rizzo had a concrete offer at the end of spring training that we're not really sure about with Javi or KB, but we do know that Javi's camp was well down the road talking to the Cubs in frequent communication, if not daily communication, before uh, the pandemic shut everything down in March 2020. So there's so much history, um, so much information has been exchanged between both sides that I don't really know if Jed, how much time Jed has in the day to be like, uh, engaging in trade talks with like 29 other teams and getting a feel for things. And then still having to kind of like kind of uh you know, gauge Javi and KB's whereabouts on an hourly basis. Like they know. And, and I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to jump in when you're this close to free agency on the player side, or from a management perspective being like to Brett's point, we don't know what the CBA is going to look like next year. Why are we going to like, you know, go all in now uh, because the only reason the Cubs would do a deal right now would be on extremely club friendly terms when, you know, Rizzo and Baez are not playing to the level that they think they can. So like, why would they sign on the dotted line right now?
1: Yeah. You'd have to have a situation where for whatever reason, whatever turned from spring training to now, a player became really concerned about his ability to capitalize in the off season and mm-hmm. free agency. Cause it's the it's the first crack at free agency for these guys. And that's meaningful both in terms of establishing your market, which, by the way, matters both to the team and the player because I think that a lot of times we forget. It, the Cubs would be curious to know what what's Javi's value on the market in, in this free agent class with a bunch of shortstops. I think that's inf- information for them too. Um, and it's also just an opportunity that as much as these guys might love their time in Chicago and they want to stay in Chicago and they want to stay with the Cubs, I mean – You don't know until you get out there and you find out that like, oh, there's several other places and teams that are interested in me that are maybe set up in the future in a way that I'd like better. Uh, You just don't know. And so I think that like Patrick said, it, it takes a lot to sign away a guy from free agency at this time of year. And I don't think that that Fear has developed with these guys that, are like, oh no, I was wrong in spring training, and and I I realize now that I I really should make sure I uh, sign. Because here's the other thing with the CBA, we we often hear it framed as a, uh oh, don't know what the financial state of the league is going to be next year, so guys should be concerned. Well, it can go in the other direction too. Like the structure of the league's finances and the way the money is doled out to players could could change in such a way that it's like, oh. Never mind; these guys are worth a lot more than we thought. And so suddenly Rizzo's going to get much more and Javi's going to get much more. So I, I agree that it would be shocking. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm trying to think of what it would be if Chris Bryant signed an extension in the next 10 days. Like, I, I don't <laughs> think there is a parallel in my sports history, including the Cubs winning the World Series, that was a level of shock that, that that's how little i expect that to be no. uh, uh, a thing
3: and i mean no this is like the tone of like every time we ask like i talked to rizzo the other in arizona it's like you can see like the wheels turning and it's like you know what do i say to this you know what i mean and like same with jed when he's asked about it in the dugout on the record with cameras on it's like uh we don't want to rule anything out we don't want to say the wrong thing we don't want to insult the other side like clearly uh you know everyone involved can see a scenario where they come back. Like they all love Chicago. They love the Cub. There's nothing again. It's not personal, but it's like, there's so much history here. They're just kind of like, yeah, we'll see. And then dot, 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 you know, like there's not like a whole lot of conviction. I feel like on, on either side here, this is trying to a very broad level of like pounding the table. Let's get a deal done. And there's no, you know, reason that they can't, test free agency and come back and there's a lot a lot of pressure on every side here of Jed to get this right the players agents to deliver after years of waiting for this and then the players kind of weighing their legacy and their comfort level and you know kind of what they want in terms of being part of a winning team for the next several years there's a just so many unknowns here that I think you're right it would be a, a stunner if uh, there's any some sort of like extension here and let me you know, add to the No,
1: no, No, you let me add, sir. (laughs) I I used the transitional phrase, let me add too. So I get the jump. Uh, I was just going to say that in addition to the unknowns and and when like I'm thinking about Jed Hoyer having to answer these questions and him being very cautious and mindful of all these things, what you also don't want to do is in the same vein of you never know what's going to happen. Well, you never know if there is some trade partner out there that is going to come at you aggressively on a Javi Baez offer. that, that You don't want it getting out there that like, there was a, someone said something in the media about a $200 million expectation for Javi. I, I don't know how true that is or not. That seems, I th- I think that might have just been sort of a comment about the market in general. But you don't want it out there necessarily that this guy's that you have had negotiations with this guy and his expectations on a contract are egregiously high because if you are a team that's thinking of trading for a Javi Baez right now no you're not doing it specifically so you can extend him you're doing it so you get the impact this year but like you would like to know that you have a chance of extending him if if he comes and he likes it and he's happy you don't want that information out there if you're the Cubs that like By the way, it is definitely just a rental. You will have no chance of doing anything else. And so uh, I think that that's probably another one of those just like you never know. So, like, let's answer the questions about the extension stuff. Yes, we would love to plumb them for more information because I'm sure the Cubs would like to have more information. I'm sure the players would like to have more information. But, like, in reality, nothing is going to happen on that front.
2: I completely forgot my point. Uh <laughs> sorry. You should have <laughs> Patrick said Patrick said something. You should have said, just let me uh, add. Uh, oh, I I remember. So the <laughs> so there's this concept going out there that Cubs players are unhappy and treated unwell with uh, with the Cubs and and I I've never I, like Patrick correct me if I'm wrong, but I like from my understanding is as far as the way they're treated and the way their families are treated, uh That like that's they go above and beyond with the Cubs, like everything that I've talked to with people like they love the way the Cubs treat them and the way they're uh, especially the family atmosphere and, and the way they they're they're treated really well to the point that some other people are like, "Whoa, that's kind of crazy how much they how much they let them do and how much how much they give their freedom to their families and then like kind of coddle them to a, to an extent." And that's like off the field stuff, not like uh, contract negotiations, all that other stuff aside. I'm talking about the way they're treated once you're part of the Cubs organization. You it sounds like they're treated really well and it's one of the better organizations to be a part of, especially if you have a family and your wife needs to be taken care of, your kids need to be be taken care of all those things. I think that that goes really well from my understanding, and it's one of the better organizations. So I don't think Uh, players look at this organization and say man I need to get out of here there's certainly times where they're frustrated with negotiations and and things that happen on the field or whatever that is and and Patrick makes a good point about what direction is the organization going as far as how quickly are they going to win like they team players want to know that especially someone that's in their 30s you want to know what direction the team is going but as far as being unhappy with the organization or being treated poorly that's not true that I have not heard anybody complain about the way they're treated by the organization the way they and their families are treated by the organization
3: I think there's that's there are two separate issues there Of on the one hand I definitely think there's a sense of fatigue within the clubhouse in terms of like how long this has drawn on this yes. kind of like holding pattern and also like the players that we talk to now are a little different than the ones that we first met, what, like seven years ago, 10 years ago? Like there's a natural kind of, I'd say, hardening or a little bit of more cynicism or just a general awareness of like how the business works. And the Cubs are not exempt from that at all. Um, But at the same time, there's no doubt the amenities um, (laughs) – The country club atmosphere, you might even say, is uh appealing to players from you know, where their spring training facility is located to the how they try to think through every single detail off the field that you know, I think David Ross has said this before, he said it to me again this weekend of like teams like the Cubs, the Red Sox set it up in a way to where you only have to focus on baseball, that they take care of Every off-the-field uh, amenity you could ever want, but that comes at a price that you better perform. They're going to expect you know a division title every single year and a World Series every couple of years. Like that's kind of the expectations, the environment that the Cubs have created. And in the end, the Cubs are probably a pretty good bet if you're trying to sign a five, seven-year contract to be good once again sooner or later during that time frame like that reference to the country club there that explains why the Cubs wouldn't let me swim in their
1: pool. Um, so uh, I, I think that pretty much sizes things up as far as those three impending free agents go. I think if I could sum it up, it would be that we uh, tend to think the Cubs are very open to trading Chris Bryant for a good return. But I think that the caveat there that you have to keep in mind is keeping him, and, and whether that means maintaining that little extra bit in that relationship in case there's an opportunity to resign in the off season. Plus you make the qualifying offer, you get a draft pick, which is probably going to be considerably less than what you would hope to get in trade, but it's not zero value. You know, keeping him is not zero value. So you're weighing that against what you get in trade offer. And, and although, um, what the last five, 10 years, positional impending free agents tend not to net, big time impact prospects at the deadline. Chris Bryant is one of the best that's been available. I think you'd have to look at probably the Manny Machado situation a few years ago as, as the comp. And while he, I think netted less than people expected, it was still for quality prospects. And so, I, I mean, I do think um, that we would say it, it, a Chris Bryant trade is, is probably more about the offers that roll in and less about some of this peripheral stuff. Whereas with Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo, it's just it's very hard to see an offer coming in that's going to, you know, confer sufficient value to the Cubs that they would be like, okay, we're ready to cut ties move on. I, I just, I don't see those offers coming in. Um, and so maybe that's where we'll leave it. Uh, the Cubs continue this Cardinals series this week. Uh, we are going to be back at you uh, later this week with uh, another episode of On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at The Athletic. And always, please, thanks, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. We uh, always appreciate that because we love uh, hearing from you. That reminds me, uh, wavelandathletic at gmail.com. That's our our email address if you want to send us your thoughts, wavelandathletic at gmail.com. Appreciate hearing from you, appreciate you listening, and we hope you all have a good week ahead of you. Take care.